Chapter 6, June 1972, age 17. Sweat dripped off of his brow and onto the cumbersome cardboard box Robert loaded into the back of the tractor trailer. The forklift operator had loaded the rest of the cargo but overlooked the box and Robert happened to catch it on the shipping order just as the driver was about to leave for Pennsylvania. He pulled down the door and handed the order to the driver who shook Robert's hand. Thanks, kid. You just saved me a lot of hassle. No problem, Robert said as he wiped the remaining sweat from his forehead. Robert followed Alberto Davaccio's advice and dropped out of high school in 1970 after turning 16 in December. After spending his first couple of months of freedom watching TV, his mother told him he couldn't lie around the house all day and had to get a job. So over the next two years, he worked, first for a courier service, and then at the Cypress Hill Cemetery with his Uncle Barry as an attendant. After he was laid off from there, Blaze Corozzo hooked him up with a job at Jet Air Freight as a dock worker. It was hard, physical labor, with very little shelter from the elements of the weather. Many evenings he would go home to his family's new place on Richmond Street, plop down in his bed, and sleep until the next morning. Robert liked his boss, who for the past ten months had no problem letting Robert leave earlier, take a day off when he asked. His penchant for fighting laid in dormancy ever since he sliced Grubber with a strap razor, in part because he lost all contact with anyone who knew him as Robert the tough, crazy kid with the mile-wide anger streak and sharp weapons, and therefore had no reputation to uphold. Instead, he built his status at work as the respectable kid who made everyone laugh. Robert paused as he watched the semi pull away, taking a well-deserved breather. Robert! Robert turned and ran toward the tall, lanky man standing outside the door to the white office, dwarfed by the massive warehouse in which it was built. Time to clock out, buddy. Robert nodded, then went inside. Robert didn't have a car, so he depended on public transportation to get him to and from work. Most of the time, it took 45 minutes for the bus to make the six-mile journey of drop-offs and pickups to get him home. Completely exhausted, he found a seat near the back of the bus, slouched down in it, crossed his arms, and shut his eyes, hoping that if he dozed off, he wouldn't miss his stop on Richmond Street. The noise of the air brakes disengaging startled Robert. He opened his eyes and saw two elderly women slowly negotiating the steps of the bus. As they made their way down the aisle, a guy about Robert's age and height but thinner followed behind them. The bus was always crowded around this time of day, since most of the blue-collar workers were calling it quits and heading home. A man at the front of the bus got up and offered his seat and the empty one next to it to the ladies, and then took the next single seat in the bus's midsection. As far as Robert could see, the only other seat remaining was the one next to him. The young guy saw it too, and picked up his pace to claim it as the bus started to lurch forward. As he fell into the seat, he cursed the bus driver. Couldn't wait till I sat down, could you? Robert grinned. Freaking city workers, I tell you. The young guy looked at him and nodded. Yeah, maybe he'd think different if I punched his lights out. He held out his hand. Joe Dadona. Everybody calls me Little Joe. Robert shook it. Robert. Everybody calls me Robert. Little Joe gave Robert a half grin. Where are you from? I live off of Richmond Street, just headed home from work. Hey, that's my stop too. Where you work? Jet Air Freight. Been there almost a year. Oh yeah? How'd you manage to get a job there? A friend named Blaze hooked me up. Little Joe sat up. Blaze Corozo? Robert held up his hands. Is there any other? You know him? Yeah, I know him. Robert and Little Joe talked for the next 40 minutes without regard to the other passengers or their choice of words. Within a few short minutes, they discovered a family tie. 
distant cousins related through Robert's mother and little Joe's grandmother. And through that connection, little Joe realized the Robert he was talking to was the same Robert he had heard stories about. The small guy not afraid to fight anyone. How he took on a rival gang of black kids by himself and won. How he was arrested for making Molotov cocktails, with which he threatened to torch the Catholic school after getting kicked out for fighting a nun. Little Joe's versions of Robert's antics were slightly twisted, but Robert didn't say anything to correct him. The exaggerated version made him sound more legendary. Little Joe had credentials of his own. He told Robert he was the godson of Fat Andy Ruggiano, one of only a few made men within the Gambino crime family. Fat Andy and Little Joe's father were close friends before Little Joe's father passed away from cancer. Before he died, he made Fat Andy promise he would look after Little Joe, which he did. Little Joe and Fat Andy's son, Anthony, grew up together, and according to Little Joe, were like brothers. As they both started to exit the bus, Little Joe turned and put his finger in the bus driver's face. The next time you take off before I'm seated, I'll break your freaking neck. The driver was in his 50s and apparently experienced at dealing with people like Little Joe. He held up a hand. Hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Little Joe smirked. Yeah, right, he said as he got off the bus. To Robert, he said, Ralph Cramden back there needs a good butt kicking. They walked over to the streetlight. Robert pulled out his pack of cigarettes and offered one to Little Joe, who took it. After a drag or two, Little Joe said, Hey, listen, if you ain't got nothing going on tonight, come hang out with us at the pizza joint on the corner of 93rd and 101st. I'll introduce you to Anthony and the rest of the crew. After showering, Robert slept for about an hour before getting dressed. It was only a mile to the pizza parlor, but Robert opted for the bus, having no desire to be soaking wet with sweat when he arrived. As he walked from the bus stop to the pizza parlor across the street, he saw Little Joe and three other guys standing outside. Little Joe noticed him and met him at the curb. Robert, glad you made it, he said as they shook hands. He led Robert over to the rest of the group and introduced him to Anthony, Herman Locke, and Tommy Mancini. Been hearing a lot about you, Anthony said, as he glanced over at Little Joe. Oh, yeah? Anthony nodded. I heard stories about the FNR gang even before Little Joe started talking about you. You know Alberto Davaccio? Sure, I worked for him. He's an associate of my father's, always talking about the tough kids in the area. Oh, okay. So whose crew you been hanging out with lately? Robert shrugged. Nobody, really. Just punching the time clock, that's all. Little Joe said you work at Jet Air Freight. How long? About a year. It puts money in my pocket, he said dismissively. After talking for a couple more minutes, they walked inside the pizza parlor and sat down at a table at the back of the dining area. Anthony ordered two large pizza pies and a pitcher of beer and told the owner to put it on his father's tab. Robert noticed the man's expression. He knew he would never see a single penny for the pies, but he could do nothing about it. But Robert didn't care. He was famished, and it made him feel like he was a part of something important, an elite group perched high above the social order of commoners. After both pies were gone, Herman Locke got up and went to the restroom. Robert watched him with a wary eye. Have any of you noticed that Herman is a black kid, he said to the rest of the group. All three laughed. Yeah, but he's cool, little Joe said, wiping his face with a napkin and tossing it on the table. This was a new experience for Robert. Up until then, the only contact he had ever made with any African American was in a negative setting. Gang fights with the Bushwick boys, getting jumped on his way to Catholic school, being taunted the few days he actually attended East New York High School, the junkies and boozers all led him to believe the racism taught among Italian-Americans was justified. But Herman seemed to be a laid-back guy, and he smiled a lot, which was disarming. 
so much so that it made Robert feel uncomfortable. So you trust this guy, he asked. All three nodded as they looked at each other. Yeah, of course. Robert shrugged. Well, okay. I guess any friend of yours is a friend of mine. After Herman returned, they walked out, waving to the pizza parlor owner. No one left a tip. Greaseball, Anthony said under his breath as he pushed through the door. At the corner, Robert asked, So what do you guys do for fun? Little Joe's grin suggested fun must be qualified by something not so nice. Well, if Anthony here isn't at the movies smooching with his girlfriend, Anthony shoved Little Joe, who laughed while the other two made catcalls. Yeah, you guys are just jealous, that's all. Little Joe straightened his shirt. To be quite honest with you, Robert, that's part of the reason why I asked you to meet up with us tonight. You see, we run into situations at times, he said, and threw a couple of uppercuts into the thick summer air, if you know what I mean. You up for that? Robert's stomach flipped. It had been a long time since he let those juices flow. Now, just the thought of it gave him an adrenaline rush. He threw a couple of jabs of his own. Just show me who to punch, he looked at Herman. I'm guessing it won't be a gang of black guys. Herman laughed. Nah, man, we like to stir it up with pretty boys from other crews. They think they all that. We show them they ain't. Robert was an hour late for work the next morning. As he walked into the office, the shop manager looked up from his clipboard, his eyebrows raised. Sorry, boss, Robert said as he slipped the time card into the clock. The sound of the machine stamping the card rattled Robert's throbbing head. I missed the bus, he said. The shop manager tapped his clipboard with his pen several times. Looks to me like you've been out all night. Robert stared at his boss, not sure what to say. Forget about it, the shop manager finally said as he continued writing on the shipping order attached to the clipboard. We've all been there, just don't make a habit of it. Robert nodded. The shop manager was right. Robert and his new friends were out until 4 a.m. Now, Robert was tired and his head was about to roll off his shoulders. But he didn't regret taking little Joe up on his invitation. It had been a while since he felt the excitement generated in an atmosphere of conflict or the camaraderie among guys who thought and felt like he did. Ever since he and his family moved to Richmond Street, even before when his friends moved out of the Fulton Rockaway neighborhood, his life had been docile. But now the old self that had grown dormant over the last two years was awakened by last night's minor skirmish with the crew from Ozone Park. Again, he felt like he was part of something exclusive, something that had its own set of rules, something that could bowl over anything in its way, and he liked it. And as he considered these things, he remembered the words of Davaccio, a man who in Robert's eyes was very wealthy and who happened to be an associate of Fat Andy Ruggiano, the father of his new running buddy Anthony. We are your family. The day dragged on, and by the time early afternoon arrived, Robert was wishing he was anywhere but at work. His head was not as woozy as it was earlier, and the tiredness was not as big an issue. But his heart was not in it, as was demonstrated by the change in the pace at which he worked and the mistake of loading cargo onto the wrong trailer. Shortly thereafter, Robert was on the dock taking a smoke break when he saw a Cadillac pull up a few spaces over. It was the same car he rode around in the night before with Anthony, Little Joe, Herman, and Tommy when they went bar hopping. All four of the guys got out of the car, shirtless and in swim trunks. An innocent-looking blonde, clad in a bikini, remained in the back seat. Robert's once-weary eyes were now fully alert. "'Hey, Robert!' Anthony yelled as he hung on the open driver's door and waved for Robert to come over. Robert jumped off the dock and ran over to the car. "'I want you to meet someone!' he looked to the girl. "'Robert, this is Sonny!' 
Robert's grin was big as he took her hand. Hiya, Sonny. Her smile was a little uneasy, as if she was unsure of what she was doing. Hi, Robert, she said. We were headed to the beach. Thought we'd stop by and see if you wanted to join us. Me? Oh, hey, I'd love to, but I still got a few more hours to go before I'm off. Can't you ask off? Robert shrugged. Yeah, sure. He ran off for a few minutes and came back, shaking his head. Bossman says he's got too many guys out and that he needs me. He's usually good about letting me off, but... Anthony cursed Robert's job. You don't need this stinking job. Yeah, I do. Anthony put his arm around Robert. Listen, come with me, and I promise you won't need to worry about working a sucker's job again. Really? Yeah, really. So come on, let's go. Robert never went back to his boss to tell him he was leaving in spite of being told he could not. He and the others went straight to the beach, where Robert took his knife and cut off the legs of his blue jeans, stripped off his shirt and shoes, and enjoyed the afternoon with his new friends and Sonny.